0: Hi there, and welcome to another edition of the 1% Better Podcast with your host, Rob O'Donoghue. Hello folks, how are you doing? Welcome to the 8, no it's not the 864, it's the 1% Better Podcast. Thanks for coming along and welcome. So so you might notice my voice is a little bit hoarse, I've just started to realise this over the last mm, couple of months or so. This year I started to do Bikram yoga once a week, typically at the weekend, sometimes during the week, but always after it, probably due to the absolute buckets of sweat that falls out of me during the 60 or 90 minutes, the next day my voice is quite hoarse and I can feel it today because I did a, a Bikram session yesterday because this week I'm still off, work on holidays, staycation week and said I'd avail of some suffering for 90 minutes and come out the other side which which I did so Bikram Yoga very uh, interesting activity if that's the right word actually on Bikram I have an episode of the 864 podcast the other podcast I do recorded with a lady called Julia Henderson and she is the host and producer of a podcast for 30 for 30 around Bikram Yoga, which I'm really looking forward to releasing in a few weeks' time. But anyway, that's off, off the tangent there. So last week I was off, back this week releasing shows again. I released an 864 on Tuesday with Cynthia Johnson. She has 1.75 million followers on Twitter. She's a marketing expert entrepreneur, highly interesting. Lots of good stuff in that one. I'd urge you to check it out the 864 podcast is obviously the other one and it's one you'd need to subscribe to separately to this so if you haven't please do and more details on the other stuff around 864 in a bit and this week we have a one percent better show back out now over the last few weeks i've been doing live shows on a tuesday or a wednesday and they've been live one percent better podcasts in that they've been longer form and interviewing folks in the typical vein similar questions similar talk track that that comes up and generally on that one percent better show that's live I do a bit of an intro or outro or kind of roundup for the week on that as opposed to doing the intro here for before the uh the one percent better podcast hope that makes sense but that's just for your information as to why I'm doing a bit of a ramble here today or tonight or whenever you listen to this so I wanted to do something different and over the next few weeks, I'm going to do some draws for some competition type stuff that I've been doing over the last 18, 20 months or so of doing a podcast. Built up a good following across different social media platforms with LinkedIn and Twitter, obviously, and Facebook and Instagram. I think they're the main ones. I haven't gone to snapchat or any of that over the next few weeks once i hit a certain target number i think there's coming up to about five or six thousand in total if you haven't already followed the show on any of those or rob of the green on on any of those platforms please do um it's actually my personal one on linkedin rob O'Donohue, and i'm going to do a draw in a couple of weeks time and uh, announce some winners afterwards. And also there's a, a newsletter that pops up when you when it go onto the website. So subscribe to that. So once I get more followers, I think around the six thousand mark, which we're probably about three or four hundred away from at the moment across all platforms, we'll do a draw, send out some goodies to the winners. I'll announce who they are and I promise what you will get will be useful. Hopefully make you better in one way or another and let me know if you uh, if you do win uh, if you like what you get. But we'll we'll talk about that later. Okay. So the ethics four mentioned last couple of weeks. We've had some big names. Rosanna Arquette was on that a few weeks ago, and this week Cynthia Johnson. If any of you follow Irish soccer or football, there's a guy called John Egan, and he played for his country last night. When I'm doing this, it's on a Wednesday, so he played for Ireland against Poland and he's from cork originally and he was kind enough to have a chat with me a, a couple of weeks back be releasing that in a couple of weeks on the 864 as well 15 minute long podcast um, shorter consumable on a short commute and hopefully something useful in it for you so that'll come in a couple of weeks to this week's guest to of the one percent better show that is alex packham and he is ceo and founder of content cal which is a social media calendar scheduling platform something that i wasn't even aware existed until early this year and it's something i've been using on a regular basis since i have one calendar connects to the different social media platforms and you can schedule some tweets i remember i was out for dinner with a a work colleague one night and he got a text or a tweet from me while i was talking to him he said how did you manage to do that are you tweeting constantly and i was like no i use this tool called content cal so talking to alex we talk about his own entrepreneurial background and we do have a lot of similarities very interesting character really hope you enjoy the podcast with alex just a couple of final ones next week i'm hoping to do a live show tuesday or wednesday just trying to identify a couple of guests there we'll put out an 864 And a 1% Better show probably uh, towards the end of the week as well. And finally, if anyone knows Gary Barlow or has a contact with him, I'd love to chat with him for an episode over the next while. He has a new book coming out called A Better Man, I think. And that ties in nicely with the podcast team of 1% Better. So if you're on personal terms with Gary, drop him a text. Tell him to get in touch. I would love to chat to him as I'm obviously a massive Take That fan and would uh, be very cool to pick his brain. Equally if there's any other guests that you would like me to chase down to hunt down um over the magic of social media or whatever means possible, I will do. And it would be great if you could uh, suggest a few more names. This is actually episode 80 of the 1% better podcast. I've combined the two seasons and did a bit of counting over the last week or so when I was off. Exciting stuff, but uh, this is number 80 and I have another few recorded already so I would imagine before the end of the year we'll hit the hundred mark so it'd be really cool to get some names that you would like me to check in with and see if they come on to the show before uh, we get to that century. All right that's enough from me enjoy the podcast please do get in touch let me know if you're enjoying it give me some feedback okay take care enjoy the weekend and enjoy the chat with Alex good luck hey folks welcome to another episode of the one percent better podcast and in this one i am delighted to introduce my guest alex packham alex welcome to the show thanks for having me on Rob. so alex you're the founder and ceo of content cal which is a social media marketing company and just to give a bit of context around content cal for me uh we connected through samantha kelly who's always been great for for me getting me potential guests on, on the show and it is a tool I've been using over the last uh, couple of months, which certainly has helped me get a lot of uh, more structure to my social media posting across a number of platforms. But maybe just talk to me a little bit about it um, for folks that mightn't have heard of it so far.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, what? Well, that's really good to hear. It's helped with structure because that's exactly what it's for. So um, so like I said, yeah, so Sam, as an introducer, has been fantastic for us. We She was one of our brand ambassadors in the last few months and she's been an absolute superstar really helping us sort of spread the good word about content cow so it's a funny story i mean content cow fundamentally like i said as a social media company um we have two strands to the business we uh manage some clients social media in full so we'll do all content creation uh, facebook twitter etc uh, instagram advertising uh, content strategy we'll manage uh the whole sort of cycle through customer service on that as well. So pretty much a full social media offering. Um, And we seem to be getting more and more invited into almost transformation projects for some companies, um, B2B and B2C, in terms of the fact that a lot of companies, which still surprises me, haven't actually done social media at all yet or really still early in that journey. So Mm. some level of quite deep, um, I suppose, consultancy to a certain extent and then implementation off the back of that. So that's sort of one side of the company. Uh, And the other side of things is, off the back of our expertise, um, so we originally started as a social media agency, uh, we built our own tool called ContentCal, which is now sort of the focus of the business. So the agency used to be called ASTP. Um, And we've subsequently licensed that tool uh, to all sorts of businesses across the globe. Um, So agencies, uh, freelancers, big brands, small brands, medium companies who don't necessarily want that sort of service piece, but want something more uh, sophisticated in terms of social media management so as you'll say kind of you know the differentiator of our product is it's designed and created to give um people well people and companies of all sizes structure to social uh, and one of our ethoses as a business is that plan, you know, planning uh, failing to plan is planning to fail mm-hmm. and for us that's how we basically approach any social media task whether you're working with us where we provide the service piece or whether uh, you're using the tool um that you just have to set up a plan to get social media going properly. So our whole tool and our whole ethos is around gearing up to that. Um, so that's a bit of an overview. Uh, we've been going for three and a half years. I've uh, got five, well, over 5,000 businesses signed up to the product. Uh, and like I said, we work with sort of 15 medium sized uh, clients where so we do the whole piece of work for them. It's been a whirlwind journey for me as the person who started it in my bedroom three years ago. Um, now 30 people have had 1.6 million pounds of angel investment, uh, so we've sort of grown rapidly in the last few years, and uh, yeah, so really exciting and interesting time I think for social media and just sort of startups in general in the UK uh, and beyond. So I'm really pleased to be chatting to you.
0: Yeah, lovely, uh, lovely overview. Great to hear the the story and the explosive growth. As somebody who works in an IT company myself, um, I'm just interested when you mentioned a lot of companies aren't even getting onto the the train yet of social media. Do you see, I presume it's more tech companies that are, are embracing it, but is there any types of companies that are typically slow adopters, those laggards maybe?
1: There's there's a surprising amount, to be honest. I mean, there's there's two assets to this. There's one that there are so many companies that are created every year. Uh, I mean, in the UK alone, I think it's about 500,000 companies are created every year. Right. And so you find that people obviously will create a business in all sorts of industries, but you know founders of businesses in particular will have – one or two particular strong skill sets so if you're creating a I don't know business in engineering typically you're very good at engineering or if you're creating a business in property management typically you're very good at property etc but what most companies sort of find in their first second maybe third or fourth year when they get a bit bigger is that they they need to advertise in some aspect or they need to create some sort of community around their brand and Therefore, there's a lot of new businesses effectively coming to social media um, or social media providers like us or, or products to manage it. And they're looking for ways to to streamline it. Um, and that's fundamentally because social media is really one of the cheapest ways to enter the market in terms of what you do for your marketing activity. It's much cheaper than radio or TV or mm. a lot of the print sort of media stuff. So a lot of people start there, which is really interesting. Um In terms of laggards, uh, property is a fascinating industry. Uh, We work with lots of different property businesses from estate agents through to commercial uh, office companies and beyond and there's a lot in that sort of space which uh, a business has been done in much more traditional ways and I think they're playing a little bit of catch up uh, just from my own personal experience. Uh, Manufacturing, um, but to be honest, You'd be surprised, big and small, uh, when we see a lot of different briefs and users uh, and things like that come inbound to us, how many companies of all sorts of sizes have yet to sort of find their way around this. Mm. Um, and I think the, thing, the weird thing is social media is used by so many people on a day-to-day basis, but for businesses, there's so much to learn uh, and there's so much to know, and it's constantly updating, and there's quite a few skill sets from yeah, paid advertising, designing creative, consumer behavior. There's quite a few different skills you kind of need to to learn or know to really manage social effectively. Um, and as a business for us, obviously, we've got lots of different skill sets in the team that we can offer uh, or we seem to be able to offer different um, people's knowledge, I suppose, across different things to streamline the whole social media piece for businesses. So it blows my mind because i've worked in it for years but it's like anything i've been talking to the team recently saying you know when when i first learned how to do invoicing and accounting to me a lot of this stuff was really new i've been running my own business for a few years now so i kind of know a lot of that inside out but
0: yeah
1: that's yeah. getting off the ground it's just like anything law uh marketing and social media is just becoming one of those business as usual things that those who know what they're doing can obviously offer services and support to help people but uh I feel like it's really cemented itself in that sort of core, you know, business offering that someone needs to do now. Um, And lots of different industries, like I said, of which you'd be surprised to play and catch up. The the really quick ones, to be honest, and social, just to finish on that, is the companies that typically invest a lot of money in marketing in general kind of jumped on it early. So big um, consumer businesses, entertainment companies like film producers and stuff like that, they, they kind of jump on it very quickly. Uh, And it's sort of some of the more, I suppose, slightly more uh, traditional, slow-to-move industries that are playing a little bit of catch-up, I think.
0: Mm. Interesting. I just picked up one. You mentioned property or kind of real estate. For some reason, something went off in my brain there to see, you know, obviously Gary Vaynerchuk, and he kind of dominates all sorts of platforms with, uh, I think, think my battery drains every day from (laughs) the amount of... Tweets or updates I get from from him on Instagram, but I think he he's tackling the real estate market. I think with with multimedia or or with social media. I just seem to remember him going to to some I don't know event in Miami. He's trying to connect to that, so he obviously sees a big opportunity in that space as well. Maybe.
1: Yeah, I thought fo- I mean, I followed him for years, and ironically, now we actually share an office with Vayner Media in London. So we're in oh. the same building, which is a bit of a weird thing for me. So. When I started the agency, so uh, ASTP, which was built off the back of career. Uh, so I, I used to run Ogden Cinema social media and then Skies for two years at each place, and then left off the back of the early Gary Vee days. Well, not early in the Wine Library days, but in I watched a lot of his uh, original sort of Ask Gary V's before the whole VaynerMedia thing really exploded.
0: Right,
1: and he was almost like an online mentor, I suppose, to me because I was running a social agency, no way near to the level that they are now, um, but building a very similar business, but. Yeah, I noticed. Uh, so, because obviously I follow him as well, he's got um, yeah this big sort of event, uh, and it looks like it's sort of a you know, said property people coming together to talk about it. And from the yeah, interesting thing about property in our own discussions, or sort of re- the real estate industry is probably a better way of phrasing it, is that there's there's huge amounts of money uh, in that industry that just hasn't moved for a long time. Mm. Website building companies to marketing service providers across more traditional media. Um, there's lots of different things, but the people who particularly manage those budgets and things like that, like I said, they're very good at the property uh, rental and you know the ins and outs of their own industry. But the more consumer-facing marketing, and also you know that industry has got a lot more competitive. Um, I don't know if you know of WeWork, the big office provider. Yes. As globally, I mean they've kind of pioneered, or in my opinion, from a from a distance, pioneered a bit more of a digital media modern approach to mm. bring business to market. Yeah. And property, commercial property in particular, relies a hell of a lot on brokers to get to get people into a, the industry. But anyway, it's, it's certainly one of those ones to me that's it. Just it's about to go through that sort of cycle in itself. I think in terms of really, you know, digital transformation, social media transformation, etc. On top of I suppose, adopting to their own challenges in people working from home or wanting more co-working spaces and stuff like that. So, very um, interesting industry, yeah.
0: Interesting. I didn't expect to spend about five minutes talking about property in this <laughs> podcast, but that's good. I like I like the tangents, t- to be yeah. sure. Yeah, that's, <laughs> uh, I can, that's the problem. <laughs> no, no, that's good. I'm, I'm hopefully, we'll go in other random uh, zones soon enough. But I, I wanted to talk a bit more about you, Alex, and, and you know what makes you you and what makes you a founder and ceo of an organization and have that drive so question i always like to pose and sometimes there's interesting outcomes from it uh is around what's your earliest memory when you were think right what back I mean, what comes up e- ever ever yeah what comes up uh, first thing that uh, comes to you
1: well yeah okay uh my earliest memory would with... <sighs> I've got some, do you know, I so I grew up in a place in the UK called Gloucester, and it was in a really sort of country area, I suppose. So right. our next door neighbours or people in the area that we we sort of mixed with, if you like, they we were we just lived in a house, but they had they had a farm. So I have lots of really early memories of being out. I've got ironically the complete opposite of what I do now, but being outside spending a lot of time uh, with close friends. But I, I always remember, so just generally speaking, I just remember a lot about being outside, sort of running around and having a really great time just doing outdoor activities, basically, you know, playing with all sorts of stuff. But um, okay. I always remember for some reason, even at a very young age, being a very, very deep thinker. I've, and I've always been like that ever since I've grown up. I've always been a hugely deep thinker about why things happen who, are, who am I and, you know, what do I fit into different social circles, even from literally the age of sort of five, I guess. So I can I can remember at a young age being a very deep thinker, put it that way, and also kind of like that vividness of just being outside a lot, I suppose, more than anything else and discovering things.
0: Hmm. I definitely can relate to the deep thinking piece, uh, the whole questioning, I, can, I do a lot of work on myself and i've done co i'm a coach and uh try to help people understand their own why and maybe question themselves um what they're all about and it seems to always be there for me but i had no reason or understanding as to why the hell i was born with (laughs) that value or that kind of trait but it's interesting you you had it Uh, as well um and and that always brings me to a question around introvert versus extrovert would you say which side of the, the coin would you land on there
1: Which day you get me? (laughs) In reality, uh, I think I'm probably quite extroverted. I mean, on a day-to-day basis, um, I'm not afraid to speak my mind. Uh, Ironically, I won't generally sometimes speak until I've spoken to, funnily enough. But yeah, I'm pretty extroverted. I've got good people skills. Um, I'm not too afraid to start conversations. If you get me on a day which, you know, talking about thinking and stuff like that, where I need to think very deeply. Uh, and some people that will know me, particularly when I was younger, would have called me an introvert. Um, so, mm. you know, it's, it's an interesting one, really, I suppose, if you'd have asked, not if you'd have asked me, but if you asked me what I was like when I was younger, I'd say massively introverted uh, and quite quiet, right the way up until the age of about 14, 15, maybe. Mm. And then as soon as I got to that age, I became much more social, much more extroverted, you know, not not afraid of being in big groups and stuff like that. But yeah, I think if you'd, have, if you'd have asked me when I was very young or asked how people would have described me if you read a school report or something like that, it would have probably said introverted up to about the age of 14, 15, ironically. So, mm. you, yeah, could
0: be, you could be an, an ambivert, which is kind of a bit of both. And, uh, I don't that, even know that's a thing. <laughs> I think we're all probably a bit of both in some ways. Um, so yeah, when you were growing up then, what was kind of the focus for you? Were you, from that early age eager to be an entrepreneur or where did that start to come
1: yeah it was to be honest I mean I'm probably one of the more unusual kind of bunch within my peers that I I, I want to start a business when I was very young funnily enough so my entrepreneurial spirit came out when I was probably, probably ironically, that age of about 14, 15. So I, I used to get um, O2 SIM cards from the internet back in the really early days, which for some reason they used to give away for free. Mm. And they had sort of these uh, pay-as-you-go uh. minutes packaged into them uh, and sell them in the playground for 10 pounds a pop uh, and made reasonably good money at that level. And for whatever reason, uh, from that age onwards, I used to sell all sorts of things. And, and work. I worked when I was young as well. I mean, I did a paper round and basic, basic stuff like that. So I've always been brought up to uh, work for or try and find a way to make money in some capacity um and I've always had that sort of interest in standing I think mostly standing on my own two feet uh which was drummed into me quite young uh we weren't the kind of family to get a huge amount of pocket money I was always helped as when and when unaided, I needed but I certainly would never have got pocket money for nothing if that makes sense so I've always had to sort of work for for an in since I was probably about 15 16 um but yeah, from a from a more entrepreneurial point of view, I mean, I I knew as soon as I started studying business studies at GCSE level uh, that that was something that I knew I understood. Uh, I remember sitting in different science classes and particularly maths, saying I do not understand or I'm remotely interested in any of this. Obviously, you have to do it, but I knew that business was something I could kind of get my head around and learn, and and yeah, I think mainly interested in. So that kind of excited me. Um, and continued to study that right the way through to A-level and degree level. So I went to Car- uh, Cardiff University. Um, so really, I'd say the business strand has thrown through me for a long time. Starting my own business was something that uh, came to me a slightly later, not, not that late in the grand scheme of things. So from about 19 years old, uh, I started a very, very basic social media company at university, uh, which was called Connect Design and Social Media Consultancy or something like that. Um, and, and weirdly, uh, I, I learned the whole concept or, or certainly sort of became aware of the whole concept of social media marketing quite young, uh, purely down to the fact that I'd made all the decisions or I noticed I made all the decisions on the bars and restaurants I was going to at uni uh, around Facebook, basically Facebook recommendations from friends, business pages, really in the early days, promoting different offers and things like that. And it just twigged as I was studying. So sort of, again, that's like 18, 19 years old because I was studying business that this was going to be a really big thing. Um like I was so young that I was, you know, not commercially aware necessarily of what the what the ongoings in the social media world were at the time. But but nonetheless started a very small social media company uh managing different uh local businesses in Cardiff Uni uh, and some family businesses or family friends of businesses, social media accounts. Um and then Started a viral website called Cardiff Banter, which completely flopped eventually. But it was like a very, very early lab bible for the University of Cardiff's campus, which taught me again how to build websites from scratch and and just really, really like young digital skills, if you know what I mean. I kind of just hustled a little bit at university to earn an income as opposed to get like a normal job. Um, And then just before I graduated, so about 21 years old. So I did that for a few years and, and made a reasonably good income quite young uh one of my business mentors if you like at the time who was a family member just who sort of helped me get all this off the ground kind of just said to me look Alex I I think you could go and do this social media company thing now but you're so young I think you should go and do a few years corporate experience so I did that like I said earlier so I worked at Odeon Cinemas from graduating university for two years and then subsequently one of the departments in Sky called Now TV for two years and, and built a sort of professional if you like a corporate social media career off the back of that and then started the social media agency called ASTP at 23. So it, I did a lot of it quite young, I suppose, when you look at it on that respect. And I'm, I'm a few years into that now and beyond uh, and a lot more experienced. And I made a huge amount of mistakes and things like that along the way. But as you can probably tell from that, I mean, right the way from about 15 to 23, 24, I've been really in some capacity being either an entrepreneur in full or an entrepreneur on the side uh, and just business, I suppose, both from a family history and and what i've been exposed to at different ages um and studying it and things like that it's just been something i've been really passionate about for years to be honest with you so it's a nice thing because i kind of find myself doing what i love every day which is which is kind of what you have to do when you work yourself and whether you're starting out or whether you've got sort of 30 people in your business
0: oh yeah no definitely from talking to lots of folks that have done their own business and you know that the whole passion and drive is there and you know you're working long hours every day but you love what you do because it is doesn't maybe feel like work when when you suppose maybe the question then is where does that come from is that in your dna is it in your family is is entrepreneurial dna there
1: uh, I was exposed to it quite young, yeah. So one of my uh, uncles is uh, well runs his own business, and I did work experience with him at sort of 16 years old, and he was always someone I looked up to. Uh, so I sort of saw the ins and outs of uh, startup, well, startup small businesses, I suppose, because there was no such word as startups back then, mm-hmm. um, in terms of how it all ran. Uh, and a lot of other sort of people in my family have had uh, reasonably successful business careers in general. So I've got six aunts and well six aunts and uncles sort of between us. So a big family which has sort of exposed us to that quite young um and I think from a young age my parents my parents directly aren't entrepreneurial but they they definitely drove into me at a young age that everything you have in life is because you work incredibly hard for it so I've always been exposed to that but um that that could throw into sort of yeah like the whole is it in your blood I I think potentially some of it is Um, I think entrepreneurialism in particular is something that's incredibly hard to teach. I think you can refine it, um, but you either really want to start your own company and take that risk uh, in the knowledge that it's going to require a huge amount of work um, or you don't. I don't, I don't. I don't think there's a huge middle ground and I think it happens to people at all sorts of ages. So I don't think you can, you don't have to be young basically to be an entrepreneur. You can decide, you know, after 20 years or 30 years or whatever it is of a successful career that you're ready for it. I think people just have different risk appetites when they pull the trigger um, and I think that, you know, that can also, that can also pay, your, pay in your favor if you do it later because you have more time to build contacts, et cetera. But um, it's a, it's, it's, it comes from a massive drive. I mean, when you, when you do it when you're young, it comes from a massive drive. It's certainly easier to do that now than it ever has been before in terms of starting a company. So it's much easier to actually do that than it was even 10, 15 years ago to just company's house, you know, low cost accounting tool. And as long as you've got skill set and something off you go to, you know, off you go, and you really can start a business from scratch. But yeah, for me, it comes from, you know, I, I believe everyone's here for a reason. Uh, I think I've got a big passion and drive around working with people, building something from scratch really excites me uh, and actually taking something to another level. Um, for me, again, starting it Young was, it's relatively low risk. I was 23 when I started my company and it was something I was very passionate about doing. Um, and you know, I just wanted to focus on it. I honestly, I remember working in the last few sort of few months in my job at Sky, thinking I just can't wait to start this full time and just crack on into it, and just minimising yeah. some of the risk and some of the like you know income streams and stuff like that that you have to have at the time. So making sure you've got enough clients and you work out how to pay the bills and all that sort of stuff. It's it feels like a little while ago now, but there's definitely something in entrepreneurs and the same that I see in myself that just makes you want to do it. I can't quite describe what it is, but you are. You're focused on nothing else than that. I mean, for the first year of the business, I worked every day, every night. You uh, had an absolutely no social life whatsoever, uh, and and continue to do that to a certain extent now. But it's a little bit more relaxed as we've got bigger. But it's definitely in in you to start a business. I think uh, whether like I said, whether you do it really young or whether you do it when you're older, I just think it's it's just something. Yeah, just something that makes you want to do it. It's hard to describe.
0: No, uh, it's, it's it's very clear from from you uh, talking through it there that it's it's certainly in you. Fear is something then that probably hasn't really held you back. Would that be fair to say? And do you think maybe by making those initial leaps forward at a young age that uh, the fear was probably bet out of you from from that stage?
1: I uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I was quite. I mean, I was quite scared. So when I when I went to do it, uh, I mean, I was giving up a reasonably. Uh, good career with a lot of momentum behind it um i didn't have a huge amount of risk in terms of you know i didn't have a family or a huge mortgage to support or anything like that so i'd I'd certainly from an age point of view minimize risk conversely to that um people don't buy stuff generally when they start when you when you run your own business from a 23 year old because you you, even though you might feel like you're quite experienced when i certainly did because social media had only been around so long Uh it's a real uphill battle which might sound crazy but I lived and breathed off uh, contacts uh, in the first instance and a lot of people just believing in me. And also social media, when it when I was doing it, at the very original sort of start two years ago, people did think it was a bit of a young man, or woman's game. Um, and so they kind of entrusted you on that side of things. And I had a few clients that really, to be honest, had a massive leap of faith into just hiring me to do any work for them. Um, but I, I de-risked my position as much as possible, even at a young age through, through a lot of advice from people much more experienced than me, by the way. So it might sound like I knew what I was talking about. I was, had a huge amount of mentorship throughout this, but, um, and bought someone who was much more experienced as a partner in really early on, uh, who knew a lot more about sales uh, and traditional business growth and things like that. So I think, I mean, I did it at the least risky time in my life in reality, but, um, I definitely have taken steps along the way to de-risk it as much as possible. And I, I'm, again, in a bit of a unique way. I I've I I knew where my business was going. I mean, the whole company is positioned to grow, you know, fundamentally for a sale at some point, not in, any, in, in the immediate future. But the business plan was to build something really exciting, a great place to work uh, and a great team sort of ethos, but the company eventually would be sold. Uh, and we are yeah, a million miles away from that. But that was always the end goal. And funnily enough, the more you get into the company and things like that, the less you think about it, really. Um, but we, we, you know, you focus on the execution and everything else. But I went in with a very specific goal. Um, I wasn't someone who started a business to build a lifestyle company or anything like that. It's really is to build something just, you know, that will really make a difference in my industry. And we're right in the thick of it now. And I have to say, we've gone from, like I said, one, me in my bedroom to we've got 30 uh, full-time employees now and various freelancers and stuff like that, like, it's a fascinating journey and you have to love every minute of it from the really good highs to the really good lows so it's um now it's good fun as you as you sort of progress and, and you get to different stages along the way and then so many different challenges change so yes it's very interesting
0: yeah very good just in relation you mentioned early on about um, maybe lessons learned or, or certain mistakes you've made along the way is there any one or two that jump out that you took the most learning from?
1: Yeah, ironically, one that's happening quite recently. I mean, we we avoided um, in the early days bringing on expertise in various different departments, if you like. So when I first started, it was literally me. And then, like I said, someone came on with sort of sales experience. And then we we effectively grew organically from there through some uh, angel investment and most of it through just traditional business development. Um, One in particular is we didn't bring finance people or finance expertise at a more senior level on uh, anywhere near early enough. So we've just pretty much got into that sort of mode now. And it's made a dramatic difference from literally month one of bringing someone in to really look after that side of things very quickly. Um, So that's like a really detailed example. I think the other thing is that when you start a company, uh, whether it's you and one other or however many people, you should really write down all the things that you know how to do really well, and write down all of the things that you don't, and find a way to fill those fill those fill those don'ts with experts as quickly as possible. Mm. Either via through hiring, you know, from organic growth, or through raising some capital or loans or whatever it may be to get them in, um, because businesses, I think yeah and my learnings in the last sort of three four years doing this popular country belief is is never really success of one or two individuals it is a whole team effort and there are so many skill sets required to run a a successful company that bringing the right people on to manage the things that you don't know how to do well are where it's the number one skill and not being afraid or nervous or you know have any ego attached to that along the way and what i've particularly learned is you you know build a management team that really know how to run with their individual bits and that comes with its own challenges but build that um, and that's how you create the infrastructure for a real successful company um again just depending on different businesses i've come across or your own experiences and things like that and people you see there are very very few businesses that run from one person's super mind that are kind of controlling one thing uh, there's there's lots of different people contributing and i think to me, that would be the biggest learning, depending on your ambitions and stuff like that and depending on what kind of business you want to build, obviously, but just get the right expertise in as early as possible in the areas that you don't know. And every everything goes faster from that point, actually.
0: Mm. And I, I guess conversely to that point, the, the probably the biggest reason businesses might fail is because the leader or CEO or owner doesn't do those things early enough and tries to juggle all the balls in the air and then suffers maybe. Totally. I
1: mean, we've got uh, about 20, no, probably not, about 25 private investors now, all who either own successful businesses or have had successful businesses. And nearly every single one of them has said to me uh, the other investments that they've got or the businesses that they don't invest in when they get pitched is because the owner or founder or whatever you want to call it, CEO, will uh, be reluctant to take on some of their advice. So, some of these really experienced business people's advice and also seem or seems quite reluctant to bring on other people along the way to take control of some of the bits that they just don't know about. Um, and it's a fine balance, to be fair, as a sort of someone who starts their own business, because most people, you know, you start your own company for freedom, for wanting to hone down your skill sets. Uh, there's a little bit of glory in it, obviously, so I don't think anyone starts a company without the idea of wanting to make something a bit of a success personally as well, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. That's exactly what it should be about. But the really successful companies that I've seen from a distance with friends of mine who run them, or uh, mentors that I've had along the years so far, you know they've all had management teams that successfully uh, and really, from through a lot of hard work uh, and don't always get on, um, but they work together, you know, to build something really successful. And and I was once told a true successful business is something that can stand basically completely on its own two legs, despite the person who started it. So if I you know fell off a cliff or was hit by a bus and content cow in a few years time couldn't carry on. I would have failed in theory. And I think, you know, the further you get on and the more you see that working, the more you realize it. Um, it's fascinating though, but I, I've seen a lot of people that I've known quite closely have their own sort of businesses and not realize that uh, at different stages, right way from startup to bigger. And I do think that's the differentiator. If I'm honest, it's, it's having the realization of what you can absolutely own um, and doing what you obviously can to fill the other gaps, but at the right time, bringing that right expertise on board, it, it changes the whole thing.
0: Excellent. Uh, I think that's great, excellent. Great, great advice, and the um, you mentioned that kind of strengths and weaknesses. I, I kind of do a personal swat of of uh, my own strengths and weaknesses, opportunities, threats, from time to time, just to see what areas are needing a focus. And I guess that's kind of effectively the tip that you shared there. What you what you did for yourself. So so good. Good to hear that.
1: What you've just said, honestly, is 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 good to hear because uh, a lot of people. I either get texts or from mates or um, just messages from people really from all over the world because on Instagram or sometimes on LinkedIn and stuff like that saying, you know, how how, how have you got to where you are or just checking in and saying how do you get along your journey? Most people bizarrely never ever analyze themselves or even remotely think about, you know, like what you've just said, take a pause, go grab a coffee alone and write some notes about where you're at in your life, you know what, what do your goals happen. Where are you with your goals? What are your aspirations? All that sort of stuff. And luckily, or whatever you want to call it, I read about that really early on, probably like yourself, and just just sat some yeah, put aside some time to go and do it. And I still do it now every month, like you. I write down exactly where I think I'm at. What what do I need to do next? Where am I? Where am I struggling? Where do I need help? What what am I really doing well at? And what should I be doubling down on? And I genuinely think that everyone somehow, some way. I'm sure you probably do too, needs to do that process and for whatever reason doesn't. <laughs> it blows my mind, to be honest with you. But it, I think you'll probably agree by what you've just said is I mean, how much does that just give you just writing it down on paper or whatever, you know, total clarity on where you are, basically?
0: No, absolutely. And again, it comes from the coaching work yeah. that I probably do. But I think it goes back to your point earlier of being a deep thinker from a young age. So I would equate a lot of that into self awareness and your ability to self-reflect that's kind of tied into emotional intelligence or the concept of eq and i guess another point you're very sounds like you're very open to take feedback some people are terrible at taking feedback because they see it as a uh a, a, suppose a criticism as opposed to something that they can can grow on and and that just you know if you do personality tests or eq tests with people you'll see some of these things cropping up and um yeah like i think not everybody's comfortable looking for feedback or doing a lot of those things because it makes them uncomfortable because they're highlighting stuff that they're maybe not so great at and that can impact on ego. And I could talk, I could go into yeah. another a whole other podcast about all of that. <laughs> but uh, uh but,
1: I was going to say, it, well, we're on the same wave. I think I agree with everything you've just said. I mean, I think a lot of people... They can either avoid feedback through all the things you've just said. I mean, I agree. But also, I think, to me, it's it's an alien concept. and probably is to you. Like you just said, sometimes you can be self-critical and sometimes you can be good at taking feedback and not. But to me, it blows my mind that you can't know it all at the end of the day. No one ever does. So how can anyone not be willing to take feedback? And you don't always have to agree with it. That's the other thing. But when when you do and when you have an obvious sort of knowledge gap or something like that, just just assess it. But it is it is an interesting concept. Yeah we would have a much longer chat about that at some point, which I know that we will because Definitely. it's one of the most interesting uh, topics behind people when they sort of run and stuff like that. I,
0: I'll come on to your podcast when you get it out and going, and I'll happy to talk in detail ah. about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we talk, You talked about getting so much done. I'm productivity is something i'm fascinated about and time management and obviously with with content cal it kind of helps me get more stuff out there what are your own approaches to time management productivity how do you get shit done on a on a day-to-day basis yeah
1: uh sometimes it feels like an up to a battle as well but i mean i i think when i first started the business uh it was the first time i started getting up very early so mm. i think you see this in a lot of tim ferris podcasts and, and also tim ferris books if you've ever read any of that stuff that most people who like you just said in invert commas get shit done generally speaking do get up early so I get up at sort of six, half six most days, not every day, but most days, and that is my time. I will go through to do lists, I will try and clear emails, I will send the calls or, uh, sorry, send the texts or the messages that I need to send, um, and I will not do anything else. I'll sort of remove all distractions needed, so no TV, all that sort of good stuff. So it's no, there's no magic to it. I get up very early and get through as much of my own to do list as physically possible. And then I compartmentalize everything. So my to-do list is made up of uh, four to-do lists, if you like. And one is Content Cow, one is Life Admin, one is this, one is that. And I will very, uh, I suppose, I'm pretty organized. So I'll have basic to-do lists for each one in priority order, and I'll just crack on through it. I mean, it's very difficult. So that sounds almost perfect. Obviously, I go into work or I start my day and then by about Ten o'clock, it goes crazy because you get calls, messages, et cetera, from your team and, and all sorts of other bits and bobs. But generally speaking, I have a bit of a rule, particularly around email. So I don't do not do a lot of email every day. I do it first thing in the morning, uh, once in the afternoon and then once in the evening. So that removes a huge amount of day-to-day crap, basically, yep. <laughs> to allow you to focus on work. And then I, I have been able to mentally prioritize actual work in the last few years over that sort of thing like email. But if you'd have asked me again you know, this question when I was working in a corporate business, my entire life would have been responding to emails and stuff like that. And you never really do any work. And, and that's just the nature of it because there's a lot of communication. But mm. you know, getting shit done, honestly, honestly, is getting up early, no distractions for me, getting through as much as I physically can. And then the day tends to go in different directions. But organization self-discipline um educating yourself on the different ways that you you operate as a person so i know i'm very sort of list orientated and i can focus when there's no distractions and i I can come across a bit rude sometimes to people when i am focused because i'm like i can't speak to you now sorry and that's that which works sometimes and doesn't work all the times but yeah it's an interesting it's an interesting one i just don't think there's much magic to it funnily enough i think Mm -hmm. a lot of people wish there is but there really isn't you just gotta crack on um and find the motivation to do so basically yeah it's it's i'm just
0: i'm just kind of laughing as you're talking to myself here um i i put an article out late last year kind of 11 things that i do to be more productive and i would be probably known for getting stuff done because of my day job and doing all of this either side of it but i I get up i used to get up around six and uh this month i every month this year i do a kind of a monthly challenge to try and build a habit and get better but 5am now is my morning is my rise time as of the start of april and it's it's even better like i get even more done before i go to to work every morning now like i i've kind of developed this thing called i'm calling the rule of three where i get three things done before i leave to go to to my job and um, i feel great then because i get those three things can take about 25 30 minutes each and uh i feel on fire in lots of ways knowing that other shit gets in my way during the day that uh you know at least i know i have that sort of stuff off my brain and and what i've learned as well that certain things keep coming into my mind uh, and and they're the things that if uh, if something comes in five or six times over the course of a couple of days i just stop and i try to do that thing immediately because it just keeps getting heavier and annoying me more and and it, it might only turn out to be a three minute task but just keeps coming in and I have to address it the sooner the better so
1: yeah it's so funny you say that I just wanted wanted to bounce off the back of that I did exactly what you just said in January so for me every January is the reset month of the year where I'm like I will do nothing really but focus on setting up this year correctly and Mm -hmm. for me it takes months to do that so in January I think I didn't I don't know if I did it properly this year I did it last year though where I got up at 5am every day and I started to document it on Instagram, uh, and exactly the same thing. Um, the only other thing I'll add to my previous list is the first things, the first three things, like kind of like you, three or whatever it is things, I'll try to do the things that I don't want to do that day first, yeah. so typically it's like, all oh, right, I've got to write an email to an angry client, or I've got to write a long email about um, you know, where we're at in the business to investors, or whatever it might be, the long task, you've just got to get your coffee, your tea, or whatever you drink in the morning, and just fly through the, the tough ones first and it might feel painful at the time but if you do make the 5am start or the 6am start or even a 7am start and get into it early like you just said it relieves the rest of your day because that annoying long uh, most time consuming and most brain consuming is the other thing you know brain power consuming task is done you can then get ready go to work if you're still you know in full time jobs or you start your own business you've got the biggest thing off you know your checklist to do for the day done before you've even really started and the, I think, yeah, I'll, I'll take my hat off to you to do the 5 a.m. thing because I know how hard it is. But it makes a huge impact. I mean, it's the biggest thing for me if you're talking about sort of 10x and productivity or 100x and whatever it might be. It is getting up early and just, get, you know, really getting stuck into tasks and things you've got to do.
0: Yeah, it's uh, definitely a bit of a game changer. Um, cool to, to hear we're on similar wavelengths there. Intuition is an area that I'm fascinated about. I've always been trying to tap into my own intuition and go with it i actually did a month last year where i tried to go with my intuition all the time as much as possible but that didn't work out completely well but it does help to uh to be aware of it is is that something you use on a day-to-day basis when maybe you're making decisions or things that come up in the business do you tap into that or are you more data driven
1: uh so i constantly if i'm honest use intuition Uh, i am data driven knowing there as much as some people in our company and some people i've come across i mean i do look at numbers i do bounce off you know different numbers be it like website visits for marketing traffic or Mm. you know revenue or user growth Mm. etc etc so i will and i can be very very analytical on that stuff when i am needed. but i would say my natural inclination is intuition and from the gut so I I, it's an interesting one people who are familiar and quite able to discuss about this and how good or bad their intuition is I would say a lot of the time I'm right and a lot of the time I'm wrong so it's really hard to put a number on so I'm an optimist by nature I am always 10 minutes late for something because I think someone will forgive me for being 10 minutes late or whatever it might be but I'm optimistic that my intuition generally speaking is right and I've been right with a couple of really big calls in our business, and the way we've grown, both from I think this deal is going to happen, and I think it's going to be this amount, or I think that person's going to leave, or I think that this is going to happen, or we've got to make this change for this, or whatever. But you know, then conversely to that, when someone the complete polar opposite of me in the company will say, I, I looking at the data, <laughs> and as soon as someone says that, my brain as an entrepreneur to me like, oh god, I know they're right, but I've got to, start, I've got to listen, but I don't want to, et cetera you know, looking at the data, this is what we need to do. And if you wait this many months, this will happen and bloody, bloody, blah. I've been proven wrong many, many times on that front. Um, And as an optimist, and I'm a very, very, generally speaking, impatient person, I think everything can be done yesterday, which is definitely not the case. But I'll often, uh, or I would have back in the day before I was a bit more educated in this for sales, for example, I would often write off a deal just because it isn't happening now, because my assumption would be that may never happen. Whereas we've had, you know, sales cycles for some of our deals that have been 18 months and it's just, you know, persistence, someone having more knowledge in that space. So my intuition on many of those situations has been wrong. Um, but I think you have a bit of a finger on the pulse for depending on, you know, what your industry is. So my intuition and my knowledge around social media and that way the industry is going is pretty much always right. I very rarely get those things wrong. Um, but yeah, I think to start your own business as well, um, I, think, so I think to start your own business as well, you've got to... You've got to believe in it probably more than most people do because i think you are really speaking down with have got a lot of the time in the early days and i think that that is really critical to self-belief and uh don't beat yourself up if you get them wrong some of the calls wrong but you know i think you know when you know you know it's one of those things when you know you're going to be right you just know it at the end of the day which is a weird human trait but it's definitely true in my life anyway
0: yeah cool yeah, yeah. I, again intuition fascinating stuff I read a lot about it and uh it's so so um important i think to to tap into and the more you tap into it and trust it the probably the better it gets i know we said we'd do 45 minutes or or so alex and we're coming up near that believe it or not but um i think we've only scratched the surface on a good few things here maybe just a bit more about content cal so as i said at the start i'm using it since i started using it as a podcaster uh, it's brilliant because i can schedule updates to go out on the different um, platforms that i use during my work day which i don't get time to to get on obviously i remember i was out for dinner with a couple of people from work last week and i was sitting beside one of them and he showed me you're just after sending me a tweet there and i said no I, I use content cal to, to yeah. automate it i'm surprised even people that are quite okay with social media platforms aren't aware of having a, such a tool is that you know that's a probably a good thing in that there's such a broad market still un, untapped maybe
1: Totally. I mean, um, I'm, I'm pretty good for time at the moment, by the way, so we can carry on. But I mean, it is, it's, you know, it's, it's absolutely fascinating to me, like you just said. So there's lots of social media tools out there, number one. Uh, the social media industry from a marketing point of view has probably been uh, maturing for the last 10 years and automating a lot of this stuff for me and probably like yourself and a few other technology savvy people uh, is an absolute, you know, obvious thing that you can do that, you know, if you worked in technology industries or anything like that, it just seems blatantly obvious, basically, particularly if you meet anyone in marketing technology. I mean, that industry itself has exploded in the last few years. But like you just said, you had enough kind of what I sort of said at the start, you would be absolutely shocked and surprised by how many people who aren't on Facebook, or don't use WhatsApp, or I've never looked at Twitter, uh, not even on LinkedIn, but are really established, successful professionals, business owners, people want to start their own companies, people who work in big organizations, etc. And their mind is blown by the fact that you can do these things. Um, And it's, you know, I said, for content cow as a business, you know, there are social media tools out there that have been going for a long time that are hugely successful. Uh, the, the reason I came up with Content Cal, which literally started as a scribble on a few pieces of A4 paper and now has over sort of 5,000 businesses signed up to it, um, it was literally because I couldn't find something that effectively merged a spreadsheet, which was how I would plan my content calendar back in the day, and scheduling. I used to find it painfully frustrating when I worked at and that I would create a content calendar in a spreadsheet or a Google Doc, send it to three or four people to look at they would have to edit it. They would spell something wrong. There would be a wrong version, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, well, why can't this just be done on the internet all in one go rather than me then having to copy and paste it to Hootsuite or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> which sounds, again, if you're in the industry, you, you'll feel my pain because that is has so many businesses manage social or even worse, and you'd be surprised how many big companies I have consulted with that do this, just post something every day on the day because they feel like it's the right thing to do. And um, yeah, it just blows my mind that that's even a thing. So, the whole company was really born off the fact that I, as a doer in these sort of social media as, a, as an end user, could not find something that worked the way I would have expected it to. Really. Um. So I prototyped it and prototyped it. Um, in the early days with the agency I started, its clients, uh, and also showed a few technologies sort or of people I knew around the concept of it did a lot of research uh, into social media tools, making sure that nothing similar at the time existed. Um, And then, like I said, I started my business when I was 23. So I've become a lot more business savvy, if you like, and sort of raised different uh, rounds of investment and stuff like that. So I've learned a lot of that stuff in the last four years to kind of frame the whole business sort of growth uh, piece into it. But you would be amazed just how niche social media marketing still is. Um, And to give context on that, you know, the bigger companies that you come across, I mean, the really big advertising uh, companies, so you're you're talking of sort of FTSE 100, Fortune 500 businesses, et cetera, they still spend enormous amounts of money on traditional media. I mean, unfathomable, to a certain extent, amounts of money. Uh, And a lot of them spend a lot of money on social media, but nothing in comparison. So if you just think of it from that level and how they are typically the, um, oh, quite often anyway, thought leaders or the people that really have the budgets to experiment and then you go through from corporates to medium-sized businesses to SMEs uh, and how basically everyone operates, the growth that social media marketing and companies' growth that they'll see off the back of activity through social media marketing because it's very cost-effective is still enormous in terms of what yet, what's yet to come. Um, and yeah, it just blows my mind. I mean, I used to work at Sky where we spent 200 million pounds a year on advertising and a tiny proportion of that on a macro level was in social media. So they've still got a long way to go in terms of maturing and small businesses where we work with companies that spend, you know, 50,000 pounds a year on marketing or a couple of hundred thousand pounds. You'd be surprised how little still they're marketing on social media versus some traditional channels. So the industry still got a long way to go. And and the other kind of more unique thing, just to add into that, to throw into the mix, is that you know, so social media in particular emerged, let's say, 10 years ago or eight years ago in terms of marketing, which was typically managed by people like me at the time, fresh graduates or young interns that have now matured through their careers and sort of got to some sort of more middle management level or senior management level or whatever it may be. And that's their native you know, tool. They don't watch TV. We spend all of our time on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, et cetera. That, that is our TV channel and TV is our supplementary entertainment form. So that whole cycle is now starting to catch up with itself, that the people who buy in expertise are starting to, uh, you know, it's their native it's their native platforms they go to, if you know what I mean, like TV would have been for a lot of other people.
0: Yeah, no, definitely makes total sense. Where do you see the uh, I suppose emerging trends coming up, or what do you see as maybe some of the next big things, even in social? Is virtual reality something that will play into that space? or?
1: Uh, I definitely think it will. Yeah. Cause you know, if you look at Snapchat and Instagram and things like that, they're playing a little bit with virtual reality in terms of, or augmented reality, if you like, in terms of, uh, characters and avatars and brands making their ways into filters and stuff like that. I think, uh, on a really boring note uh, in terms of, you know, the next wave of things that might come is that I think there's a huge amount of this, data cleaning up of of marketing activity that needs to happen ever since the birth of the internet. So GDPR, mm. uh, of, you, you know, data that Facebook and all the other you know big internet giants have around people. I think there's a bit of a, um, moral question on, uh, the fact that they're massively regulated versus sort of every other channel really, if you like. Uh, and I think, so that, that's a big wave of maturity I think to come for those platforms that have got very, very big through, through technology and scale. Um, But I think in terms of the more fun stuff, yeah, I I definitely think, you know, augmented reality, uh, experience, advertising uh, and how uh, I don't know if you've ever done like a VR experience for a uh, like a film. So in um, when the new Star Wars film came out last year, Westfield and Star Wars had this amazing experience where you put uh, one of the VR things on and you go into this whole room and you're effectively, you know, live, you know, having a battle with stormtroopers and stuff like that. I mean, it was the most interactive and fun marketing experience towards a film i have ever had wow. uh, and I think, you know stuff like that will make its way into social and you'll get these you know different departments collaborating on campaigns so there's a lot of really exciting stuff and, and advertising and marketing which a lot of people tend to forget you know it's there to entertain because it's there to bring people through uh, a funnel from getting your eyeballs on something right the way through to making you conscious that you want to buy from that business uh, and that's how advertising and marketing effectively works you you expose people or a lot of people to your message through ideally entertainment and information and then along that funnel you bring them to make a conscious decision that they want to work with you and then it's down to the sales guys or the website or the conversion bit of the funnel to do the hard work of actually getting you to buy it and um, so a lot of people forget that marketing budgets there's no silver bullet um there's lots of different ways to engage in marketing but the point of it really is about fun and engagement and stuff like that so yeah i think there's there's loads of stuff to come and, and as you all know there's loads of different technology providers and people popping up to kind of deliver this to people as well
0: yeah definitely a lot of exciting stuff coming just the maybe last few ones so some of the listeners here might have a very limited social media presence or, or aren't really sure how to properly win in that world for somebody that's kind of grew up over the last 10 or 15 years with it in their in their world i guess what are the kind of simple things or big kind of do's that somebody could do aside from obviously going on to content cal and having that as a as a tool that they have in their arsenal is there any kind of simple tricks that you would advise folks on doing on social media to try and gain following gain i suppose exposure build a brand Definitely. Uh,
1: so depending on your industry and things like that, I mean, one of the first things I would do, because there's so much free resources online nowadays, is Google, if, you, if you're really new to it, Google the best channels for your industry. And I can guarantee you, no matter what industry you're in, there are probably infinite blog posts about people recommending if you're in cars, if you're in manufacturing, if you're in B2B, etc. What what platforms to use and what platforms not to. And at the very start, don't commit yourself to being on every channel. So uh, if one of these blog posts recommends that you start with just Facebook or start with just Instagram, just do the stuff that you have the resources to deliver and don't worry about anything else. Um, I think, you know, simple tactics around if you're using Instagram, use hashtags. Uh, If you're using Twitter, use hashtags and research, you know, what they are, what they can do for you, how to actually implement them correctly. uh, and, And the concept behind hashtags being you can hashtag a theme about your business, which will expose you to people that follow or are searching for those hashtags for content to discover so that's a huge thing um but you know there's so much free stuff online about social media marketing uh the other thing really would be if you if you're going to do social media marketing uh nowadays as a small business it's not uh, a free tool it takes time and generally speaking if you're advertising something requires a little bit of budget to experiment from a sort of uh pay-per-click advertising point of view so again Google it and experiment with some budgets that you're willing to test uh, your budget on uh, and see what you get in return. But once you get to spending, you know, reasonably significant amounts of money or you're willing to invest a significant amount into testing and learning different campaigns, get get a professional to do it. Um, I've actually got a whole slide deck, funnily enough, on sort of like the, the high-level do's and don'ts, which I could share with you, depending on what you want them to potentially host on your site, that for, for, for early stage stuff, these are the sort of ways to start. And it, it starts right the way from, how does social networking even get to where it is today? Uh, talks about operating models, whether it's do-it-yourself, freelancers, agencies, etc. And yeah, I've got loads of cool content on that I could share with you actually for people to kind of just get, get dip their toes and get started.
0: That'd be great, Jay, yeah, because the, the next question was probably the don'ts that uh, you see people making massive <laughs> mistakes online and, you know, maybe setting up a Twitter account and following thousands of people straight off the bat and you know having only 20 or 30 followers i guess those yeah, sort of yeah. things that look almost a bit desperate um Definitely. is there any kind of call outs standout ones that uh, you think do not do uh
1: some of the things you've just said so i mean don't buy fake followers uh, don't uh use tools that do lots of automated following and unfollowing so you can get a bit of a fake audience off the back of things right um yeah, there's a lot of uh there's a lot of cowboys like there is in any industry in social media. So there's a lot of gurus. So f- find the right people that you're willing to work with to help you if you need to get some expertise on board. And I think that's one of the other things. If you feel like you, abs- you you know absolutely nothing about social media and you are nervous, get a little bit of advice at the start. So again, a lot of people don't know that you can probably have a consultation with a social media person in your local you know, community for probably about 250 quid. You can get a reasonable amount of information or through an online course, for example, about all the basics um, and also ask people, I mean, the other thing people tend to forget, especially when you're starting your own company. So ask people around you, do you know anyone who'd run social media for businesses locally? Can I chat to anyone and get some recommendations? Don't don't ever dive into something you don't know even a little bit about and just hope for the best. And that doesn't just really go for social, but that kind of goes for everything. Cause when you start your own thing or whether you are needing help basically finding out information about something new you're going to do, be it be it starting your own business or be it just looking at something new for yourself, you'd be surprised how many people just want to help you for free um, and get you off the ground. So if I wanted more help, with, I'm sure, with you or someone who knew a lot more about life coaching and things like that, initially, you're going to help the person understand why they might want to do it and the benefits. You might not do all the work for free, but you want to get people to understand it and um, and then, obviously, if they want to go and engage with you in a more professional purchase, off you go. But yeah. it, there's, a, there's a lot of things in social. And I think the main thing around yourself, like you say, is educate yourself on as much as you physically can before you jump into anything, basically. And that's the whole, like I said, the whole ethos of content cow is plan rather than whatever whatever the phrase is, plan before you do something rather than don't and fail, <laughs> yeah, effectively.
0: Yeah. <laughs> exactly you know it's a great tool and uh, i think i'm going to continue for me it's it's just working so well as i mentioned a couple of times last question and then i'll let you maybe just give a shout out on, on how people get get in touch I have, a, I have a i have a page on my website now that um i put book recommendations on from previous guests and for a, i'm a ferocious reader and audio book listener so is there any one or two books that you would recommend that you've leaned on during your entrepreneurial days or even outside of it that has been helpful, beneficial that you would kind of go back to?
1: There's, there's, there's literally loads. I'm a bit like you. I read a hell of a lot. So I'll give you, I'll rattle off a few because there's a few outsiders. So from a motivation point of view, if you want something to really open your eyes, if it's about sort of success, motivation uh, and self-discipline, read Arnold Schwarzenegger's autobiography, Total Recall. Uh, if you read that genuinely it can change your life and how you perceive a lot of things because the guy i mean even yeah. if you just even if you just read the sleeve it basically says he was born in austria yeah. uh you know, nazi occupied Oh, it's the fact at the time or it very very kind of in that sort of world where yeah. the war and theory is still going on you know by 20 he was mr universe by 22 he was a millionaire by 29 he was the world biggest movie star something along those lines like the story that guy has gone through is just barely motivating. And it sounds bizarre, but someone recommended it to me, and I was like, really? And yeah. then I read it, and I was like, holy shit, that was one of the best things I've ever read.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, looking at it here on my shelf. Uh, it's one, one that I, I read a few years ago as well. It's great. Yeah. And then on a more
1: practical basis, uh, I have read The Lean Startup, which is great for understanding technology processes or if you're building a tech product in the early stages. Uh, the 4-Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss, just to get you – Forget the head around. If you're going to start a business, there's no perfect time to do it. Just get on with it. Uh, that's the ethos I took from that. Um, I read a book uh, last year which completely changed my life called The Daily Stoic, uh, and that is about one page a day of snippets of Stoicism um, by Ryan Holiday, uh, and that that can quite well, quite dramatically have an impact on how you perceive the world and how you deal with day to day stresses and stuff. So hmm. read the read the blurb before you read the whole thing because it can really um, it helps you focus a hell of a lot on what's important and what's not, but it can really desensitize you to a lot of things. So have a good read of that one before to see if it's for you. Um, there's a book called The Sales Acceleration Formula, which is great, which is written by the Sales Director of HubSpot, uh, which our Sales uh, sort of Director uh, recommended to me. Um, so there's loads. So I'm quite happy to send a bunch over. But again, these are the sort of ones that that I've sort of read, and they have made huge impacts. And and I do, you know don't necessarily feel like you need to read every single page of all these books. I skim read a lot of them and skip chapters and I write a lot of notes as I read and all that sort of stuff. It's it's like an exercise for me rather than just reading a book, if you know what I mean.
0: Exactly. No, again, be be the same in that uh, I've taken kind of a – instead of a passive reading approach, it's more of an active reading approach. I kind of got into the habit of almost putting a PowerPoint presentation together with certain books that I've read as I've gone through it just so that I have this kind of structured and – could call upon if if needs be so it kind of there's a mindset change there though in a way people read books probably to relax in in a way when you're creating a powerpoint deck reading a book you're almost kind of working on it but um that's study studying you're like.
1: you know you're almost advising that like you did at school uni or whatever but you're actually doing it practically if you believe the book will have a mm-hmm. proper impact and it. you like, want I agree. to do it yeah yeah exactly exactly the first book i'm reading now not taking notes, is sapiens which is the you know the first non- business related book i've probably read in about three years and it is fascinating but i am purposely reading it just to relax <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, it's i get the bible books again for business so.
0: yeah i get uh, i get a lot of strange questions of like why do you never read a fiction book why do you just have to be reading something about human potential or psychology or whatever so whatever floats your boat i guess uh, alex look um that was really really enjoyable alex i think we connected on so many different levels there it's kind of uh good to know like minds uh, are, are out there and uh, a lot of inspiring insights so um thanks for your time and before we wrap it just call out how people can get in touch with you content cal give the the whole pitch there
1: uh, totally yeah well, thanks so much for me like i said i really enjoyed the chat uh in terms of how to catch me and stuff like that so contact cal is www.contentcal.io uh, so if you're looking for a social media management tool you can sign up there for free uh, and go through the sort of free trial and then if it's for you you can chat to one of our sales guys and they'll, they'll chat to you from there uh you can find me uh, i'm pretty much at alex packham on every social media platform um and um, i've got a personal website which is alexpacker.com where you can send me an email or contact me directly if there's any questions on anything or you want any follow-up materials and stuff i'm i'm pretty active on email so so that's how you get in touch and uh, yeah thanks again rob i've really really
0: enjoyed the chat nice one alex thanks so much
1: well speak to you soon
0: so how did you find it a good show hopefully do take a second or two to let me know and before you do dive off just a couple of quick call-outs. The new podcast, The 864, 15 minutes long, in fact, 864 seconds is the aspiration, is now out and ready for listening. Check it out on the site, go to the podcast page, there's a link for 864 there, or go onto to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, that would be awesome. The 864 is all you have to search for. And it's in all other podcast platforms that you can think of, or should be. So, have a listen. Every week I release a One Minute Monday video, clip which is also a tip to hopefully make you one percent better check that out it's on the website on the video page did you also know that only about one percent of listeners to podcasts not just my own but all leave a rating leave a review get in touch or give feedback and i would love if we could book that trend and put it to two percent for this one so please do take the time to give me a bit of feedback give me some ideas about Future guests, or whatever the hell comes into mind, just get in touch or rate or review the podcast on Apple. That helps. I'm available at all of the social platforms, pretty much all at Rob of the Green. That's either with or without the at sign, but you'll find it under that moniker. So hopefully I'll hear from you there. Last couple of quick ones support. So I do offer some pro bono coaching. Get onto the website, the support page to get in touch few hours a month happy to do that and if you would like to support the podcast that would be awesome you can do so through patreon and also through purchasing books through the book page on the website that goes through amazon and we get a little percentage I'm not even sure what but it's something and finally just to say thanks for taking the time to listen to the podcast I know there's lots of other shows out there it means a lot that you're checking this one out so have a great rest of day week month year whatever it may be and Hopefully you're getting 1% better as a result of these shows. Take care and good luck.